Welcome to Dealcast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham. In this week's episode, we're looking at recent developments at one of the US antitrust regulators, the Federal Trade Commission. I'm joined by Christopher Kane, an antitrust reporter based in Washington. Hi, Chris. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Juliana. Thank you for having me. So we're looking at the changes to the Federal Trade Commission's leadership under the Biden administration. Can you begin by talking a bit about the structure of the FTC and what the agency does? Yes, in fact, that's a great place to start. Uh, So the Federal Trade Commission is unique in many respects, namely the fact that it has a bipartisan leadership structure with four sitting commissioners and a chairperson. So in the case of the Biden administration, now we have Democratic Chairwoman Lena Khan, Democratic Commissioners Rohit Chopra and Rebecca Kelly Slaughter. Um, and they are joined by their Republican colleagues, Commissioner Christine Wilson and Commissioner Noah Phillips. So the, uh, the Federal Trade Commission is responsible for enforcing the antitrust and consumer protection laws. So within the, uh, the Bureau of Competition, which is the antitrust division of the Federal Trade Commission, um, the folks that work there are responsible for antitrust merger enforcement and antitrust conduct enforcement. So the, the FTC is one of the two agencies in the U.S. responsible for antitrust enforcement and antitrust merger review, the other being the Justice Department's uh, antitrust division. So that's kind of broadly what the, what the FTC does and, and its, its responsibility is kind of big picture. Great. Thank you. And so what can we expect to see from the FTC's majority Democratic leadership and the new chair, Khan, in terms of antitrust enforcement and policy development going forwards? So we're seeing, and this is reflected in not just the two antitrust agencies, but also in, in Congress and from the White House, in academia and among public interest groups and so on. But we're seeing a, a push for, um, for more aggressive antitrust enforcement across the board. So in the case of Chairwoman Khan, um, we're seeing a, an individual who is, is known for um, advocating for aggressive reforms to the antitrust laws and aggressive enforcement, especially where it concerns uh, the big tech, the dominant tech platform companies. Um, so additionally, um, we, we are seeing Khan, as well as her Democratic colleagues, pushing for the FTC to engage in more rulemaking as a way of setting and, and changing policy in the antitrust. And so there was a recent development involving rulemaking at the last FTC open meeting on the 21st of July. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Absolutely. Um, this was quite a, uh, a flashpoint. Um, there, were, there were some fireworks during this meeting. Um, <laughs> so essentially, as, as a bit more background, so when the Federal Trade Commission reviews mergers, um, if, it, if it has before it a transaction that has uh, some anti-competitive issues, but otherwise uh, is pro-competitive or is not sufficient to uh, to challenge the merger. Um, the Federal Trade Commission will negotiate with the merging companies and reach um, consent agreements or consent orders. Now, th- these are agreements that typically require the companies to sell off part of their business or agree to certain terms and conditions that remedy the anti-competitive potential effects of their transaction. And, uh, and restore competition that would be lost to the merger. So uh, in the case of this meeting, um, the, uh, the, the, there was a prior notice and prior approval rule, 
which the FTC used in cases where they reached consent agreements with companies and then would require those companies, if they were to pursue similar mergers in the future, to obtain, uh, to give prior notice to the FTC and obtain prior approval before the agency even looked at the transaction. So, uh, so what happened on the 21st was that uh, that rule, which had not been in effect since 1995, uh, was reinstated. Uh, and it was reinstated with a three to two vote along party lines. And that rule has a bit of a controversial history, doesn't it? So it, it does, as a matter of fact, and, and this is something that Commissioner Wilson raised uh, as a potential red flag. Um, she pointed to an instance in which the FTC had used prior notice and prior approval conditions as a way of essentially punishing certain companies that had tried to uh, litigate in defense of their merger against the FTC. And in a kind of analogous situation, um, decided not to use the prior notice, prior approval against companies that had uh, abandoned their merger when the FTC mounted a challenge. So essentially punishing, in, in Commissioner Wilson's words, uh, companies for having the temerity to exercise their right to litigate uh, for their deal. So we heard about one of those arguments against the rule, but can you outline what other arguments or other issues the Republican commissioners have against it, please? Absolutely. So uh, Commissioner Phillips raised two primary uh, substantive arguments against reinstating the rule. The first was that he said the rule presupposes that markets don't change, that that markets remain static. So, for example, if a transaction that the commission deemed anti-competitive in one market one year, um, who is to say that in 10 years time that the conditions wouldn't change such that that transaction, that same type of transaction would be pro-competitive or perhaps competitively neutral. The the second argument that Commissioner Phillips raised um, concerns the, uh, essentially the incentives that companies have to work with the agency to reach consent agreements. So essentially, if if merging parties are are coming to the commission and their transaction has some pro-competitive benefits, but some anti-competitive potential effects. So the the prior notice, prior approval rule, potentially, according to Commissioner Phillips, would reduce the company's incentives to to work with the agency to come up with a solution that that protects competition and also allows consumers to enjoy the pro-competitive benefits of these transactions. Can you just explain the consent agreement? Yeah. So, and this, um, I'm sorry, it's it's a it's a bit complicated. So, th- this relates uh, very closely to to what the rule is about, right? So, if you have a a consent agreement, so if, for example, and this was the example that uh, that Commissioner Wilson raised, so if uh, Coca Cola decided to buy Dr Pepper, and that was viewed as an anti competitive um, agreement. And, uh, and the commission reached a, a consent agreement with those companies that would say, that would dictate certain terms. And part of the terms of the consent agreement per this rule would be that if, if Coca-Cola wanted to acquire another soft drink company in the future, that it would have to give prior notice and get prior approval from the commission in order to do so. And this would be before the commission even looked at the transaction. Okay. So what are you hearing from your sources about these changes at the FTC? So um, I'm hearing a lot of concern about process. And this was something that Commissioners Phillips and Wilson both raised. 
So um, interestingly, the the rule change that was voted on during this meeting, um, the meeting was an open meeting that was available to the public to watch. Um, but there were some major differences in terms of how the FTC traditionally has has made these changes or, uh, you know, engaged in rulemaking, namely the fact that FTC staff were not involved and the commissioners did not have the ability to confer with each other and and discuss the matter before uh, before it was called to a vote. So uh, the, the Republican commissioners objected to this. Uh, many of the sources that I talked to. Um, who are former FTC officials, former FTC attorneys, view this in a very negative way. The fact that staff was not included, namely, um, you know, the, the FTC is has a reputation for being a very collegial environment where the the opinions of staff attorneys and staff economists are weighed very heavily. And so, the sources I talked with were were very deeply concerned. Um, that th- this seems to suggest a, a different tack that Chair Khan is taking um, in the way she develops policy at the FTC. Substantively on, on the rule change, um, so Commissioner Wilson's point about how the FTC sometimes has selectively used the rule to punish certain companies or advantage other companies. Um, but, you know, but my sources were less concerned about that. They said, you know, essentially, just because the FTC acted poorly or made stupid decisions in the past doesn't necessarily mean that'll happen this time around. Um, so th- th- there were less of a uh, substantive disagreements to the policy among the people I talked with. And is this just the usual thing that we can expect when there's a new administration in place, the normal Republican versus Democrat partisan disagreements? So you would think so. Um, but but the FTC really is, this is another manner in which the FTC is really unique agency. Um, it's an independent agency, again, with a bipartisan leadership structure, which um, which has led to the development and the formation of a, uh, of a real collegial working relationship between the two parties that are represented in the FTC's leadership and, uh, and between the leadership and the staff. So th- this is really unusual. Linking into that, the country is polarised. Why does it matter that this is now reflected in in the recent developments at the FTC? So it, it matters because, and this uh, this actually dovetails with um, with the discussion about this rule change because the rule change happened at the FTC, but but there is not an analogous rule at the Department of Justice's antitrust division. So any time there's discord between the two the two U.S. antitrust agencies, it creates major problems and uncertainties for for emerging companies, for their counsel, for the business community at large. Um, you know, if if the decision over which agency reviews a given transaction can be outcome determinative, that really changes the game because what you really want is a, an analogous process by which the two agencies will review a given transaction. And you also want to ensure continuity with our international counterparts, international antitrust enforcers. Um, you want to make sure that, that everybody's on the same page. And so wherever there's there's discord, there are major problems. I think it's an issue that the non-American deal-making community is always intrigued by the two different antitrust regulators in, in the U.S., it's an interesting structure, um, and it goes back <laughs> to you know a hundred years ago. There was there were a lot of uh, reasons for the formation of the FTC and uh, kind of the the assignment of responsibility to both agencies for some of the same tasks. But 
Um, it, it's it's certainly unique. Um, and I, I want to add what, what one more um, point, and this concerns kind of what we've seen in terms of a decline in M&A, um, especially in the pharmaceutical sector, which historically the, the Federal Trade Commission has reviewed mergers and acquisitions in, in pharmaceuticals and various other healthcare sectors. Um, so the sources I talked with, um, uh, you know, you, you would have almost expected that this this change in rulemaking and the change in leadership of the FTC with a more aggressive chairperson would perhaps be linked to or responsible for this decline in M&A. Um, but the sources I talked with really were pretty adamant that even if uh, Republican Commissioner Christine Wilson were in charge and even absent this rule change, that, that we would be likely to see this corresponding decline in M&A in pharmaceuticals um, j- just because of the overall kind of bipartisan focus on um, on reining in high drug prices, on stopping anti-competitive transactions and practices by drug companies. And in addition to pharma, how will the rule change impact M&A in other sectors? So it's going to impact M&A um, in every single sector under the sun. So it's going to impact how how deals are structured, um, how deals are put together. Um, When companies are looking at, um, when companies that are considering a merger are looking at their various verticals and their products and services and looking to see whether there are overlapping products and services that would cause concern for the FTC, um, it's it's going to be, be huge. The determination of whether they can reach a consent agreement that that might require prior approval and prior notice that would discourage them from making deals in the same sector in the future. So it's a it's a huge, huge factor that goes into, um, you know, decision making over M&A. And you mentioned it a bit earlier on that the big tech is potentially in the crosshairs of Chair Khan. How worried do you think the big US technology companies are? So it's it's interesting that they have um, you know it's important to keep in mind the, the the big cases that are being litigated against Google and Facebook, for instance. Um, they concern anti-competitive conduct as well as anti-competitive mergers, um, but they are alleging you know section section one, section two, and section seven violations. Um, so it's all. And can you just explain what those are? Sure, sure. So so. Um, it, Enforcers are looking at the fact that, for example, Facebook was acquired, was able to acquire Instagram and WhatsApp um, and that absent those acquisitions, we would have perhaps a more competitive marketplace if those were independent companies. So certainly big tech companies are considering, are looking at this overall climate and kind of this hostility or um, I should probably say um, uh, aggressive investigation into their transactions uh, in in these tech sectors um, as they explore whether to engage in M&A in the future. Great. So lots to be keeping an eye on. Chris, thanks very much. Thank you. That was Christopher Kane speaking to me, Juliana Needham. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of DealCast presented by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. Please rate, review and follow the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or look out for your Merger Market News Alert. For more information, check out our show notes. Join us next week for another episode. 